Chapter Twenty Seven of the Golden Silence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Golden Silence by Alice Muriel and Charles Norris Williamson chapter twenty seven there is my father's douar said si maeddine and victoria's eyes followed his pointing finger into a stony and desolate waste had bellowed one golden wave of sand and on the fringe of this wave the girl saw a village of tents black and brown lying closely together as a fleet of dark fishing boats lie in the water there were many little tents very flat and low crouched around one which even at a distance was conspicuous for its enormous size it looked like a squatting giant among an army of pygmies and the level light of late afternoon gave extraordinary value to its colours which were brighter and newer than those of the lesser tents as their swaying carriage brought the travellers nearer Victoria could see deep red and brown stripes, separated by narrow bands of white. For background, there was a knot of trees, for they had come south of El Aguat to the strange region of Diaz, where the stony desolation is broken by little emerald hollows running with water like big round bowls stuck full of delicate greenery and blossoms suddenly as victoria looked figures began running about and almost before she had time to speak ten or a dozen men in white mounted on horses came speeding across the desert a stain of red showed in maeddine's cheeks and his eyes lighted up they have been watching expecting us he said now my father is sending men to bid us welcome perhaps he is coming himself said victoria for there was one figure riding in the centre which seemed to her more splendidly dignified than the others though all were magnificent horsemen no it would not be right that the aga himself should come to meet his son maeddine explained besides he would be wearing a scarlet burnous embroidered in gold he does me enough honour in sending out the pick of his goom which is among the finest of the sahara victoria had picked up a great deal of desert lore by this time and knew that the pick of the goom would mean the best horses in the aga's stable the crack riders among his trained men fighting men such as he would give to the government if arab soldiers were needed the dozen cavaliers swept over the desert making the sand fly up under the horses hoofs in a yellow spray and nearing the carriage they spread themselves in a semicircle the man victoria had mistaken for the aga riding forward to speak to maeddine it is my brother-in-law abderhaman ben duadi exclaimed maeddine waving his hand mabarka pulled her veil closer and because she did so victoria hid her face also rather than shock the arab woman's prejudices at a word from his master the driver stopped his mule so quickly as to bring them on their haunches and maeddine sprang out 
he and his brother-in-law a stately dark man with a short beard under an eagle nose exchanged courtesies which seemed elaborate to victoria's european ideas and c abderhaman did not glance at the half-lowered curtains behind which the women sat the men talked for a few minutes then maeddine got into the carriage again and surrounded by the riders it was driven rapidly towards the tents rocking wildly in the sand because now it had left the desert road and was making straight for the zmala the arab men on their arab horses shouted as they rode as if giving a signal and from the tents reddened now by the declining sun came suddenly a strange crying in women's voices shrill yet sweet a sound that was half a chant half an eerie yodeling note after note of you 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 out from behind the zeribas rough hedges of dead boughs and brambles which protected each low tent burst a tidal wave of children some gay as little bright butterflies in gorgeous dresses others wrapped in brilliant rags from under the tents women appeared unveiled and beautiful in the sunset light with their heavy loop braids and their dangling clanking silver jewelry you 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 they cried dark eyes gleaming white teeth flashing it was to be the festival for the douar this fortunate evening of the sun and heir's arrival with a great lady of his house and her friend a romia girl there was joy for everyone for the aga's relatives and for each man woman and child in the zmala mighty ones or humble members of the tribe the oliad siren there would be feasting and after dark to give pleasure to the romia the men would make the powder speak it was like a wedding and best of all an exciting rumor had gone around the douar concerning the foreign girl and the aga's son si Maedine. the romance in victoria's nature was stirred by her reception by the white-clad riders on their slender horses and the wild yu-yus of the women and the little girls Maedine saw her excitement and thrilled to it this was his great hour all that had gone before had been leading up to this day and to the days to come when they would be in the fiery heart of the desert together lost to all her friends whom he hated with a jealous hatred he helped mabarka to descend from the carriage then as she was received at the tent door by the aga himself maeddine forgot his self-restraint and swung the girl down with tingling hands that clasped her waist as if at last she belonged to him half fearful of what he had done lest she should take alarm at his sudden change of manner he studied her face anxiously as he set her feet to the ground but there was no cause for uneasiness so far from resenting the liberty he had taken after so many days of almost ostentatious respect victoria was not even thinking of him and her indifference would have been a blow if he had not been too greatly relieved to be hurt by it she was looking at his father the aga who seemed to her the embodiment of some biblical patriarch all through her long desert journey she had felt as if she had wandered into a dream of the old testament 
There was nothing there more modern than Bible days, as she said to herself, simply, except the French quarters and the few Arab towns through which they had passed. Not yet, however, had she seen any figure as venerable as the Agas, and she thought at once of Abraham at his tent door, just such a man as this Abraham must have been in his old age. She could even imagine him ready to sacrifice a son, if he believed it to be the will of Allah, and Maeddine became of more importance in her eyes because of his relationship to this kingly patriarch of the Sahara. Having greeted his niece, Leila Mabarka, and passed her hospitality into the tent where women were dimly visible, the Aga turned to Maeddine and Victoria. The blessing of Allah be upon thee, O my son, he said, and upon thee, little daughter. My son's messenger brought word of thy coming, and thou art welcome as a silver shower of rain after a long drought in the desert. Be thou as a child of my house, while thou art in my tent. As she gave him her hand, her veil fell away from her face, and he saw its beauty with the benevolent admiration of an old man whose blood has cooled. He was so tall that the erect, thin figure reminded Victoria of a lonely desert palm. The young girl was no stern critic, and was more inclined to see good than evil in every one she met. Therefore to her the long snowy beard, the large dreamy eyes under brows like Maeddine's, and the slow benevolent smile of the Aga meant nobility of character. Her heart was warm for the splendid old man, and he was not unaware of the impression he had made. As he bowed her into the tent where his wife and sister and daughter were crowding round Mabarka, he said in a low voice to Maeddine, it is well my son being a man and young thou couldst not have withstood her when the time is right she will become a daughter of islam because for love of thee she will wish to fulfil thine heart's desire she does not yet know that she loves me maeddine answered but when thou hast given me the white stallion albiode and i ride beside the girl in her bassour through the long days and the long distances I shall teach her in the way the Rumia men teach their women to love. But if thou shouldst not teach her, my life is in it, and I shall teach her, said Maeddine. But if Chitin stands between, and I fail, which I will not do, why, even so it will come to the same thing in the end, because thou wouldst say, it is well to know one's own meaning and to speak of date stones, yet with one's father one can open one's heart he to whom i go has need of my services and what he has for twelve months vainly asked me to do i will promise to do for the girl's sake if i cannot win her without take care thou enterest a dangerous path said the old man yet often i have thought of entering there before i saw this girl's face there might be a great reward in this life and in the life beyond yet once the first step is taken it is irrevocable in any case commit me to nothing with him to whom thou goest he is eaten up with zeal he is a devouring fire and all is fuel for that fire i will commit thee to nothing without thy full permission o my father and for thyself 
think twice before thou killest the sheep remember our desert saying who kills a sheep kills a bee who kills a bee kills a palm and who kills a palm kills seventy prophets i would give my sword to the prophets to aid them in killing those who are not prophets thou art faithful yet let the rain of reason fall on thy head and on thine heart before thou givest thy sword into the hand of him who waits thine answer thine advice is the value of many dates even of the deglet noir the jewel date which only the rich can eat the old man laid his hand still strong and firm on his son's shoulder and together they went into the great tent that part of it where the women were for all were closely related to them excepting the romia who had been received as a daughter of the house when it was evening the douar feasted in honor of the guests who had come to the tente sultane the aga had given orders that two sheep should be killed one was for his own household his relatives his servants many of whom lived under the one vast roof of red and white and brown his daughter and her husband who assisted him in many ways and was his scribe or secretary had a tent of their own close by next in size to the agas but they were bidden to supper in the great tent that night for the family reunion and because there was a european girl present the woman ate with the men which was not usual the second sheep was for the humbler folk of the Somala, and they roasted it whole in an open space over a fire of small dry wood and of dead palm branches brought on donkey back twenty miles across the desert from the nearest oasis town also under dominion of the aga he had a house and garden there but he liked best to be in his douar with only his tent roof between him and the sky also it made him popular with the tribe of which he was the head to spend most of his time with them in the desert and for some reason of which he never spoke the old man greatly valued this popularity though he treasured also the respect of the french who assured his position and revenues the desert men had made a ring round the fire far from the green dea so that the blowing sparks might not reach the trees they sat in a circle on the sand with a row of women on one side who held the smallest children by their short skirts and larger children wild and dark as the red light of the flames played over their faces fed the fire with pale palm branches there was no moon but a fountain of sparks spouted towards the stars and though it was night the sky was blue with the fierce blue of steel some of the Aga's black Sudanese servants had made couscous of semolina with a little mutton and a great many red peppers. This they gave to the crowd in huge wooden bowls, and the richer people boiled coffee which they drank themselves and offered to those sitting nearest them. When everybody had eaten, the powder play began round the fire, and at each explosion the women shrilled out their you-you, you-you. But this was all for the entertainment of outsiders. Inside the august tent the family took their pleasure more quietly. Though a house of canvas, there were many divisions into rooms. 
the aga's wife had hers separated completely from her sisters and there was space for guests besides the aga's own quarters his reception-room his dining-room invaded to-night by all his family the kitchen and sleeping-place for a number of servants there were many dishes besides the inevitable cheruba or arab soup the couscous the michui lamb roasted over the fire victoria was almost sickened by the succession of sweet things cakes and sugared preserves made by the hands of the aga's wife alonda who in the rumia's eyes was as like sarah as the aga was like abraham yet everything was delicious and after the meal when the coffee came lagmi the dessert wine distilled from the heart of the palm tree was pressed upon victoria all drank a little for said lila alonda though strong drink was forbidden by the prophet the palms were dear to him and besides in the throats of good men and women wine was turned to milk as sadi asa of the christians turned water to wine at the marriage feast when they had finished at last a sudanese woman poured rose water over their hands from a copper jug and wiped them with a large damask napkin embroidered by Icouch, the pretty somewhat coquettish married daughter of the house maeddine's only sister the rose-water had been distilled by leila fatma the widowed sister of alanda who shared the hospitality of the aga's roof in village or douar everyone questioned victoria and made much of her even the aga but though they asked her opinions of africa and talked of her journey across the sea they did not speak of her past life or of her future not a word was said concerning her mission or ben halim's wife the sister for whom she searched while they were still at supper the black servants who had waited upon them went quietly away but slightly raised the heavy red drapery which formed the partition between that room and another they looped up the thick curtain only a little way but there was a light on the other side and victoria curious as to what would happen next spied the servants black legs moving about watched a rough wooden bench placed on the blue and crimson rugs of jebel amor and presently saw other black legs under a white burnous coil themselves upon the low seats then began the strange music the first sound of which made victoria's heart leap it was the first time she had heard the music of africa except a distant beating of tobols coming from a black tent across desert spaces while she had lain at night in the house of maeddine's friends or the faint pure note of henna dyed flute in the hand of some boy-keeper of goats a note pure as the monotonous purling of water heard in the dark but this music was so close to her that it was like the throbbing of her own heart and it was no sweet pure trickle of silver but the cry of passion passion as old and as burning as the desert sands outside the lighted tent as she listened struck into pulsing silence she could see the colour of the music a deep crimson which flamed into scarlet as the tom-tom beat or deepened to violet purple 
wicked as belladonna flowers the wailing of the raeta mingled with the heavy throbbing of the tom-tom and filled the girl's heart with a vague foreboding a yearning for something she had not known and did not understand yet it seemed that she must have both known and understood long ago before memory recorded anything perhaps in some forgotten incarnation for the music and what it said monotonously yet fiercely was old as the beginnings of the world old and changeless as the patterns of the stars embroidered on the astrological scroll of the sky the hoarse turbuka and the languorous jezba joined in with the savage tabol and the strident rieta and under all was the tired heartbeat of the bender dull yet resonant and curiously exciting to the nerves victoria's head swam she wondered if it were wholly the effect of the african music or if the lagma she had sipped was mounting to her brain she grew painfully conscious of every physical sense and it was hard to sit and listen she longed to spring up and dance in time to the droning and throbbing and crying of the primitive instruments which the negroes played behind the red curtain she felt that she must dance a new strange dance the idea of which was growing in her mind and becoming an obsession she could see it as if she were looking at a picture yet it was only her nerves and her blood that bade her dance her reason told her to sit still striving to control herself she shut her eyes and would have shut her ears too if she could but the music was loud in them and it made her see desert rivers rising after floods and water pounding against the walls of underground caverns it made her hear the wild fierce love call of the desert bird to its mate she could bear it no longer she sprang up her eyes shining her cheeks red may i dance for you to that music leila alonda she said to the aga's wife i think i could i long to try leila alonda who was old and accustomed only to the dancing of the almets which she thought shameful was scandalized at the thought that the young girl would willingly dance before men she was dumb not knowing what answer to give that need not offend a guest but which might save the ramia from indiscretion the aga however was enchanted he was a man of the world still though he was aged now and he had been to paris as well as many times to algiers he knew that european ladies danced with men of their acquaintance and he was curious to see what this beautiful child wished to do he glanced at maeddine and spoke to his wife tell the little white rose to dance that it will give us pleasure dance then in thine own way o oh daughter leila alonda was forced to say for it did not even occur to her that she might disobey her husband victoria smiled at them all at mabarka and achuch and achuch's dignified husband see aberdehaman at alonda and the aga and at maeddine as when a child she would have smiled at her sister when beginning a dance made up from one of sadie's stories she had told stephen of an eastern dance she knew but this was something different more thrilling and wonderful which the wild music put into her heart 
At first, she hardly knew what was the meaning she felt impelled to express by gesture and pose. The spirit of the desert sang to her a song of love, a song old as the love story of Eve, and though the secret of that song was partly hidden from her as yet, she must try to find it out for herself and picture it to others by dancing. Always before, when she danced, Victoria had called up the face of her sister to keep before her eyes as an inspiration. But now, as she bent and swayed to catch the spirit's whispers, as wheat sways to the whisper of the wind, it was a man's face she saw. Stephen Knight seemed to stand in the tent, looking at her with a curiously wistful longing look over the heads of the Arab audience who sat on their low divans and piled carpets. She thrilled to the look, and the desert spirit made her screen her face from it with a sequined gauze scarf which she wore. For a few measures she danced behind the glittering veil, then with a sudden impulse which the music gave, she tossed it back, holding out her arms and smiling up to Stephen's eyes above the brown faces with a sweet smile very mysterious to the watchers. Consciously she called to Stephen then, as she had promised she would call if she should ever need him for somehow she did need and want him. Not for his help in finding Sadie, she was satisfied with all that Maeddine was doing, but for herself. The secret of the music which she had been trying to find out was in his eyes, and learning it slowly made her more beautiful, more womanly than she had ever been before. As she danced on, the two long plaits of her red hair loosened and shook out into curls which played round her white figure like flames. Her hands fluttered on the air as they rose and fell like the little white wings of a dove, and she was dazzling as a brandished torch in the ill-lit tent with its dark hangings. Mabarka had given her a necklace of black beads which the negresses had made of benzoin and rose leaves and spices, held in shape with pungent resin. Worn on the warm flesh, the beads gave out a heady perfume, which was like the breath of the desert. It made the girl giddy, and it grew stronger and sweeter as she danced, seeming to mingle with the crying of the rieta and the sobbing of the geshba, so that she confused fragrance with music, music with fragrance. Maeddine stared at her like a man who dreams with his eyes open. If he had been alone, he could have watched her dance on for hours and wished that she would never stop. But there were other men in the tent, and he had a maddening desire to snatch the girl in his arms, smothering her in his burnoose and rushing away with her into the desert. Her dancing astonished him. He did not know what to make of it, for she had told him nothing about herself except what concerned her errand in Africa. Though he had been in Paris when she was there, he had been deeply absorbed in business vital to his career, and had not heard of Victoria Ray, the dancer, or seen her name on the hoardings. Like his father, he knew that European women who danced were not as the African dancers, the Oliad Nails, and the girls of Jebel Amour but an arab may have learned to know many things with his mind which he cannot feel with his heart and with his heart 
Maeddine felt a wish to blind Aberdehaman, because his eyes had seen the intoxicating beauty of Victoria as she danced. He was ferociously angry, but not with the girl, perhaps with himself, because he was powerless to hide her from others, and to order her life as he chose. Yet there was a kind of delicious pain in knowing himself at her mercy, as no Arab man could be at the mercy of an Arab woman. The sight of Victoria dancing had shot new colors into his existence. He understood her less, and valued her more than before, a thousand times more, achingly, torturingly more, since their first meeting on the boat he had admired the american girl immensely her whiteness the golden red of her hair the blueness of her eyes had meant perfection for him he had wanted her because she was the most beautiful creature he had seen because she was a christian and difficult to win also because the contrast between her childishness and brave independence was piquant apart from that contrast he had not thought much about her nature he had looked upon her simply as a beautiful girl who could not be bought but must be won now she had become a bewildering houri nothing which life could give him would make up for the loss of her there was nothing he would not do to have her or at least to put her beyond the reach of others if necessary he would even break his promise to the aga while she danced inside the great tent outside in the open space round the fire the dwellers in the little tents sat with their knees in their arms watching the dancing of two young negroes from the sudan the blacks had torn their turbans from their shaven heads and thrown aside their burnouses naked to their waist with short loose trousers and sashes which other men seized to swing the wearers round and round their sweating skin had the gloss of ebony. It was a whirlwind of a dance, and an old wizard with a tom-tom and a dark giant with metal castanets made music for the dancers, taking eccentric steps themselves as they played. The Sudanese fell into an ecstasy of giddiness, running about on their hands and feet like huge black tarantulas, or turning themselves into human wheels to roll through the bed of dying fire and out on the other side sending up showers of sparks all the while they uttered a barking chant in time to the wicked music which seemed to shriek for war and bloodshed and now and then they would dash after some toddling boy catch him by the scalp lock on his shaved head left for the grasp of azrael the death angel and forced him to join the dance mean-faced cabile dogs guarding deserted tents howled their hatred of the music while far away across desert spaces jackals cried to one another and the scintillating network of stars was dimmed by a thin veil of sand which the wind lifted and let fall as victoria lifted and let fall the spangled scarf that made her beauty more mysterious more desirable in the eyes of Maeddine. End of chapter 27